there! Welcome to episode 3 of MMI Podcast, Mental Health During Crisis and Pandemics. Hope that you will enjoy this episode and do watch this space as we provide you with more episodes to come. Also, do follow us on Facebook at Malaysian Medics International or our website malaysianmedics.org to know more of our interesting projects. Welcome to the third episode of our MMI podcast series, Mental Health During Crisis and Pandemics. My name is Luan. And my name is Jerry. And today's episode is Eat Well, Cope Well. Today we've invited Miss Simona, a dietitian and graduate from the International Medical University. She will be sharing her expertise regarding nutrition during the Movement Control Order, better known as the MCO and how to mitigate any negative aspects of our diet during this challenging time. Welcome, Simone. Uh, Would you mind sharing with us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Hi, sure, thank you. Um, I am a weight management dietitian representing NutraFit, where we offer trusted, result-driven, individualized consultation and corporate wellness programs to achieve overall health objectives. You can check us out on Instagram, we're called at NutraFitMy for the latest updates on nutrition and diet tips. Right, this sounds really interesting. I'm sure that some of our listeners would be interested to check them out. Um, so, back to our podcast for today. Well, as you know, during the MCO, uh, a lot of us uh, are going to feel quite trapped at times, uh, making our daily lives a lot more stressful than we're normally used to. So, for example, I personally use snacks to cope with the stress. <laughs> You're not the only one, Luan. I snack quite a lot as well. I think in the past three phases of MCO, I finished three big tins of Jacob's Biscuits. So, oh well, there goes my diet plans. But I've also <laughs> heard that diet can affect our mental health. And I do recall reading a few papers that seem to discuss this relationship. Simone, could you tell us a bit about the relationship between mental health and our diet? Have there been any studies conducted into this interesting concept? Well, yeah. Um, When we talk about diet and nutrition, many people constantly change the way they eat for many reasons. It could be for weight loss, heart health, digestive health, or even to live longer. And mental health is actually a topic that is rarely talked about in our Malaysian culture, as it may consider as something taboo in the society we live in, where people have a strong social stigmatism uh, associated with mental health, where people have superstitious beliefs, misconceptions, or very little acceptance, or people might think you're just crazy. But according to the latest National Health and Mobility Survey, every 3 in 10 adults aged 16 years and above in Malaysia suffer a form of mental health issues. And I believe everyone here or most of us actually experience a form of stress, anxiety, grief, or depression in their lives. Hmm. And when you face these kind of mental health issues, you notice there's like a change of appetite or the choices of food that you make. So when people are stressed, like sometimes they will just overeat, like they'll stress eat. Or those who are going through a breakup, they will actually just chuck down a tub of ice cream just to curb the pain. Or some just don't eat at all. Or worse, some even develop, develop an eating disorder. So there is that lack of attention needed for them, for our brains. And it's still a growing idea and a new field of study. 
So our brain uses up 2% of our total body weight, but it consumes 20% of our energy, meaning our brains operate at a very high metabolic rate, which needs a constant supply of energy and it relies a lot of nutrition, such as amino acids, fats, vitamins and minerals. And many of our neurotransmitters, such as serotonin and dopamine, are actually made from these amino acids in our diet. So let's take serotonin for example, the neurotransmitter that regulates our mood and sleep. 95% are made up from our gut. And therefore, what you eat actually can affect your brain functions, how your immune system works, and how your body responds to stress. And it's about understanding how diet can greatly impact your mental health too. It goes both ways. On the bad side, it can lead to a bad diet when you're on a bad mood. So it will further worsen your bad mood when you actually gain weight and so on. And it creates this endless vicious cycle destroying your self-esteem and mental wellness as a whole. But we also look at, by looking at the good side, good diet can actually help with poor mental health. So physiologically, chemicals in the food like sugar, cacao from chocolates, or certain amino acids such as tryptophan found in foods like banana and milk uh, can trigger these feel-good hormones such as dopamine. So the key is, however, is to not rely on this comfort food on relieving, relieving uh, these emotional burdens by overindulging them. Because way too many people rely on these desserts and delicious food just to cure those feelings. But we have to understand this cre actually creates an unhealthy relationship with food over the long term. As you're abusing these tastes for a temporary relief of this pain. So that being said, balance is key. So we can enjoy all these health, like comfort foods, but as long as self-control is in place. Right. Yeah. So it really seems like the phrase um, "you are what you eat" actually applies even in a mental health aspect. Yes. Mm. I see. Jerry, you see. Yep. So it seems that these trigger foods, uh, these foods can trigger a lot of feel-good feelings in ourselves, uh, and we need to control that and cut down on our snacking. But besides that, are there any other recommendations that you can give us to maintain a healthy diet and take care of our mental health and physical health? So one um, aspect is to actually improve your diet quality. So ensure your diets are rich in fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, fish, nuts, um, low-fat dairy, and low in processed foods. Because these are all nutrient-based foods and uh, they can provide all the nutrients you need for your brain. And especially foods that contain probiotics and prebiotics and fibre, those actually promote a diverse population of good bacteria in our gut that plays an important role in helping these neurotransmitters such as serotonin to regulate our mood. Yeah. I see. Okay, so even when you put this into the MCO, the context of the MCO, right? Mm -hmm. um, how would you recommend people eat? Because I understand that sometimes accessibility to a lot of these foods are quite limited, um, especially mm -hmm. nowadays. So mm -hmm. 
what is your recommended replacement for them? So before I actually can answer that question, we actually have to understand what influences a person's diet and their lifestyle. Because every, I believe everyone lives a different lifestyle, and people has different choices of food or different preferences as well. So we need to understand what determines the um, factors that can affect our choices of food. So the key driver of us eating is of course our hunger, but what we choose to eat does not solely come from the physiological or nutrition needs. There are many factors in play that actually shapes our diet. So um, there are biological determinants such as hunger, satiety, palatability, taste, economical ones, whether we can afford it, how our income is, and availability of the food in our surroundings, physical, whether or not we have the knowledge, all the skills such as cooking, all the time to actually um, prepare the foods, or social determinants, whether or not we're eating at home, or the social support of eating alone or with family, the social setting, the meal patterns. Psychological determinants plays a role as well, where how our mood is, our stress. And lastly is the attitude, knowledge and beliefs about food. So in a nutshell, it's a complex interplay between the individual and their environment. So understanding all these factors is very important. For example, if you are educated on nutrition information but struggle to eat a healthy lifestyle because you're busy at work schedule or for example this MCO is restricting um, your choices of food. So understanding this time constraint or this um, movement limitation to prepare your food is a limiting factor. So allowing yourself to try to overcome is one better time management or planning your meals and finding healthy options that works around your living place. So ultimately, it we are in the eventual outcome of genetics and environment. So your knowledge, behavior, and attitude are the three components that are ever-changing uh, depending on your exposure, self-learning, and inborn awareness. Yeah, I see. Okay, so in a sense, I think going back to my initial question, taking all of this into consideration and understanding how mm-hmm and what a good diet is, um, how should we adapt to this? So one thing is when I mentioned is a lot of self-learning and awareness. We have to be aware of our surroundings and ourselves, especially going through all these stressful times. So I guess um, when we, when someone is, for example, you guys are also going through your stressful times and you talk about stress eating. Mm-hmm. So... Um, like snacking as well so stress eating actually with it reflects an an appropriate emotional handling where you know when someone feels stressed you just munch on something sweet chocolate and they'll feel better so this is where it all starts to mess up our body will be accustomed to telling you to seek for sweet treats or whenever you're whenever you're stressed and this is an unhealthy relationship with food where it becomes a mental solution where okay I'm very stressed right now first thing I'll do chocolates or sweets and sometimes it's it's just these activities really can add on to either the mental health part or the to our waistline so to overcome that (laughs) we can offer healthy snacks so or opting for other stress relieving activities like um, meditating going for exercise or even if 
we are living in our confinements of our room, just take a walk. Just walk around. Not, don't stare at your computer for so long. Maybe enjoy a cup of tea. Just look out at the window and look at how far things are. And just get your mind lost for a while just to overcome the stress. And another tip to curb the tendency of excessive eating or cravings, you can actually try chewing mint gum or sip on peppermint tea. Or if, if, you're, if you actually have like essential oils, uh, such as peppermint oil, um, you can actually take a whiff of that. And this stimulates your brain to release like appetite-suppressing hormones. And it also can help in promoting the feeling of fullness at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it kind of makes sense because um, I'm not sure about everyone else, but I know during this period of time, my mom likes to feed me um, peppermint tea, and I realize that every single time after I drink like something minty, you know, it's like something similar to what you've mentioned, I, I realize that yeah, my appetite's really curbed, or I tend to eat a lot less mm-hmm. than I normally would. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually a very interesting tip so I think a lot of it boils down to how much you know about what you eat and the things you eat as well but this reminds me of something else I realise that now a lot of people in the public aren't able to buy a lot of fresh food or healthy food Um, and that's maybe because the supply of fresh or healthy food to their supermarkets has grown lesser because of MCO and I've realised that now a lot of people are buying more preserved food canned food junk food because those can last longer and they're on their shelves and that means they don't need to go out of the house so often during the MCO. So what's your opinion on that Simone? What about preserved foods and canned foods? Well, it's actually uh, one of the methods and people were actually un- like it's like the what do you call it the apocalypse thinking mentality yeah, the apocalypse mentality <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah everybody yeah because of the movement restriction everybody's very scared feeling worried and they will just opt for long uh, longer shelf life food and yeah canned food is actually one of the foods that can last longer so it's in a way an alternative to store like you want to have more food but um, those food that are canned usually are high in sodium and fats, like such as luncheon meats and sausages. So you can still have them, but a better alternative is for canned food. You can actually opt for uh, tuna, mackerel, sardines, or beans or peas. Um, those, especially with the ones that are um, canned with water. So a tip of how you can actually make it a bit healthier or remove the excess sodium is to drain the salt or like you can just drain it off and then you can put a bit of water just to wash it off just to remove the excess sodium. Oh, okay. Mm. And for like, yeah. yeah, and for junk food, they're naturally little in nutrition value and they're usually high in calories. So Maybe another different alternative is why not you get um, fresh foods. Usually vegetables and fruits are cheaper alternatives and they are high in nutrition value. So also opting for a longer shelf life fruits and vegetables such as apple, cabbage, carrots, potatoes are a good option rather than just getting those pre-packed potato chips or ice cream. 
Or you can even add, um, buy some yogurt as well. Just to, you know, increase the probiotics in our uh, body. It's, so it's kind of like, I don't know, it sounds to me like it's kind of debunking the myth that um, healthy food is uh, very expensive to maintain. Because I know a lot of people in my surroundings at least, uh, mm-hmm. they always mention that the reason why they turn to more processed foods or even junk food to that matter is because um, things like fruits, they can be quite pricey to buy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in order to snack on something, like they want a healthy alternative to snack or sometimes even to fill up their bellies, uh, they would turn to junk food or uh, canned food. But from what you're saying, actually, it kind of balances out and actually having healthier foods is a cheaper alternative. Yeah. So it may seem healthier food is always very expensive, like especially those organic labeled ones. But um, if you actually plan out right, um, it actually can cost less. So I'll give you five simple tips whenever you go shopping and you want to opt for a healthier option. So tip number one is to write a shopping list. So draw a weekly plan and get the ingredients required for that week. And tip number two is to waste nothing. So when you plan, you have to be strict about what you want to buy. And when you buy it, it's actually what you're going to eat and use up all the ingredients that you bought. And number three is to look out for cheap recipes. So cheap recipes doesn't mean it's less tasty. It could be lesser ingredients and um, it's just easier to cook as well. And number four is I would highly encourage to cook your food from scratch. Because you save money on cutting back on takeaways and you're preparing and cooking your meals which are generally cheaper than you just buying the whole meal. So and it on top of that, it's also easier to control what goes onto your dish. And last but not least is to cut down on the luxuries. Means if your regular shopping cart has fizzy drinks, snack bars, biscuits, chocolates and chips, try trimming them down into non on these non-essential items and replace them with fruits and um, yogurt, milk, vegetables or dips as a healthier option. Mm-hmm. Okay, that seems like a very he- uh, healthy and helpful five tips. I think for mm-hmm. me, the hardest part would be cutting down on luxuries because I really <laughs> love my ice cream, fizzy drinks and cookies. Ah. But I think moving on, since these tips are based on shoppers, what about for people who have just started to cook or even bake? Because I've realised, looking through Instagram and TikTok, that a lot of people have taken the MCO as a time to start cooking or baking. And for someone like me, who whose expertise in cooking is probably just Maggie Mee and fried eggs, lah, <laughs> do you have any tips for new chefs like me, Simone? Yes, I do. Actually, I have another five tips for you, actually. For this. Oh, wow. So, number one is that you gotta make time for it. You gotta make time cooking. That means spending time to pick out the food that you want to make and preparing them and actually cooking them. It's cultivating a new habit where you have to locate time to buy the groceries, prepare the food and to cook them. So number two is to make a list of must-have kitchen items. So when you go grocery shopping you got, or when you plan your meals, you gotta make sure that okay, there are certain foods that you gotta have in your kitchen or in the shelves. So 
But sometimes we don't stick to our regular schedule or maybe life gets in the way where, you know, sometimes you're just too busy at work and you just didn't want to go out. So, but you shouldn't resort yourself to take out or just starve since you didn't have the time to go to the groceries. So why not, when you go to the groceries, you, you have that list of must-have food. So you can have it in bulk or keep it in the pantry for a while so that when, the, when you're super busy, at least you have that um, bundle of foods there, that your favourite foods, that you can actually have it immediately. So for example, um, eggs. You can actually store up eggs. If you're the person that likes eggs, and when you were busy working at um, home, and suddenly you're like, oh, I ran out of time. So if you have some bread and eggs, you just can whip up an easy egg sandwich. So my third one is, same as when you go grocery shopping, is to write it down. Do meal planning. So before you shop, sit down and plot out what you want to eat for every meal for the week ahead. And yes, it's every meal, because let's be realistic here. You don't want to eat steamed chicken breast with broccoli for every lunch and dinner for a week, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. <laughs> so, think about things that you already have in your fridge or freezer and how you can incorporate the same ingredients in various dishes. So, for example, you have like, um, like chicken breast. So, what are different ways you can cook your chicken breast? You can marinate them, you can bake them, you can do a braised chicken. You know, we can play around with these recipes. So moving on to that is where we need to find a few good dishes or recipes that require only one pot, especially for beginners. But sometimes um, a recipe can get too complex and we are just so confused and not necessarily have all the equipment we have or needed in the kitchen. So having some recipes that require only one pot is a good way to start off with. And the beauty of all these single pot recipes is that everything is in that meal. You have your protein, you have your fat, and you have your carbs in one single pot. So for example, recipes like lasagna, stew, porridge, pasta, fried rice, or roasted chicken with potatoes are some of the examples of the recipes you can have. And last but not least, don't be afraid of cooking a lot of food, especially when you're new, because we are not very used to the estimation of how much uh, food that we need for our portion size. So if you plan your meals right, you can actually use the same ingredients in several dishes. For example, you have extra rice, you can turn it into fried rice, or you can just keep it for the next day with your uh, additional dishes as well. Yeah. So it's really about increasing accessibility to the foods that you naturally like, mm -hmm. reducing the friction to actually take the time to cook mm -hmm. your meals, and changing it up, you know, to make things to make uh, things more interesting. Yep. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. Pretty good tips there. Mm. So of course during the MCO, right? Mm -hmm. like, um, I noticed, and I'm not sure about you guys, but I noticed that there's a huge rise in people trying out trendy foods or even taking up baking or cooking. Yeah. So. I don't know, I don't know, like, I'm all for people trying new things, but is there anything in particular that you might have, you might have to be wary about when we do this? Like, I see a lot of people baking um, cakes, cookies, you know, I tried baking bread myself, but I failed terribly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure, just 
a fun question. What 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 do you make of this? What's your opinion about this? Um, since we actually have so much time at home, and like I said just now, to cultivate a new habit, especially for those who actually don't have time to cook or never tried cooking before, so it's a good time for you to actually try all these different things. Yeah, I'm very impressed with like how simple recipes can go super viral and they're super easy to do. I even myself tried the Dalgona coffee. It was fun hopping onto the yeah. wagon. And it's alright to indulge um, yummy food trends once or twice a week. But not for long because they do contain high in sugar or high in fat which definitely add on to the calories. So um, my opinion is when you're still interested in like cooking or baking just choose healthier food options like healthier food trends such as making smoothies and good job for you Luan for you know baking your own bread <laughs> or <laughs> yeah or just cooking a very nice simple meal as an alternative yeah I mean I, I think it'd be a good first step for a lot of people into learning how to cook because it is a life skill yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think, Simone, you mentioned something that really rung a chord with me. You said that now because the MCO people have too much time. And just reflecting on myself as a student, because my classes are cancelled, I have too much time. Because of that, my sleep schedule has also been altered. I mean, mm-hmm. for example, nowadays, there are some days where I just wake up at 10 or 11. And because of that, I skip breakfast and instead have lunch at 2 and dinner at 9, which completely throws my normal eating schedule out of whack. So for people mm-hmm. like me, does that affect our health negatively in any way when we don't eat regular meals or we have a very irregular eating schedule? Yes, skipping meals is actually a, not a good habit to practice on. Especially people who want to lose weight or prevent any weight gain. It, the main point of it is that we have to reduce the overall calories that we consume and we have to increase the calories that we burn. So it's like a weighing scale where like, you know, input is less than output. So skipping meals altogether can actually cause tiredness and you may miss out the essential nutrients that require um, it for your body and it definitely can affect your next meal where you might feel even more hungrier. So once you feel more hungrier, you will tend to eat more in that next meal. So that means that will contribute to the additional overall calories so and somehow um, when you get real extra hungry you will most likely snack on high fat foods or high sugar foods which definitely does result into weight gain so how to overcome that is to have more meals but in smaller and moderate portions that can be helpful for certain individuals who has um, hunger or appetite issues and it's very important in between those main meals is to have healthiest, healthy snacks inside, such as yogurt, nuts, or chickpeas. Mm-hmm. Mm, I right. see. And I think, um, just, I think yeah. uh, to add on, <laughs> when, when it comes to staying up late, there are certain mm-hmm. studies that have shown that people who sleep late can actually gain more weight than those who actually sleep earlier. Mm. And that's where diet actually plays a major role that's causing this. So, for example, given a normal portion food um, dinner time, you have it at 7pm and digestion usually completes within 3 to 4 hours. So, around 11pm, uh, your hunger will theoretically peak at that time. 
So if you're still awake beyond the 11 o'clock mark, you will definitely have that hunger sensation. Hence, you are more driven to find food and snacks during that time. Uh, and because you're not asleep yet. So to make matter worse, the choices available past midnight are usually the ones that are like instant noodles or ice creams or chips or biscuits that can you know, make you feel full. And that will add on to those extra calories on top of your normal diet. So that will See. also lead to weight gain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, literally snacking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, literally eating at odd hours. You know, you make bad choices, you get fat. <laughs> yeah, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. All right. laughs> like I'm going well, to have to stop think... my midnight hot cup binges from now on. Ah. Like my mouth's tagging with <laughs> By sleeping earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or even finishing, you know, three tins of Jacob biscuits. I mean, who does that, Cherry? <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like this podcast is finally making me change my ways. I see. Mm-hmm. Alright, I think we've covered quite a lot of ground today in the podcast. So, we've talked about um, stress uh, and its relation to food and vice versa. Uh, we also talked about some advice for buying your groceries, uh, nutritional requirements during this period of time, how to cook if you're a beginner and where to begin, some trend snacks, skipping meals, and how to mitigate them. Um, and yeah, is there any other key advices or any takeaways that you want to give to your public? So I would narrow it down to three main um, points. Um, based on the overall topic that we have touched on. One is to improve your diet quality. Like I said before, you know, adding more healthier alternatives in your meal, adding more fruits and vegetables, and probiotics as well. Number two, um, during these unprecedented times, it also uh, comes with new opportunities as well, where we can actually cultivate a new habit to carry forward. As I believe, once we cultivate this new habit, once we get back to the, um, once MCO is lifted, can actually still maintain this new healthy dietary habits as we go. And the last but not least, I think since we are putting more effort to you know cook at home and trying out new recipes, let's get our taste buds accustomed to a milder taste. Because with Malaysian food out there, like especially outside food, we really crave for strong flavors. And when it comes to strong flavor, it comes with high fat, high sugar, and high salt. So studies actually have shown that taste bud sensitivity can change over time, and taste perception does differ among individuals. So when you're used to milder taste, you can actually be surprised on how um, different and how salty or how sweet food outside actually is. So it's a great way to actually manage our diet even better. I think that's actually a very good tip. I think that resonates a lot with me as well. Mm. So I think that's the end of our podcast. Thank you so much, Simone, for coming on uh, and sharing all your amazing experiences and advice for the rest of us. So um, you can check Simone's um, NutraFit uh, on her Instagram page as well if you're interested. 
And don't forget to follow and rate our podcast on Spotify and iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback regarding the podcast, feel free to give us a shout out on our Facebook page at Malaysian Medics International. So stay tuned for our next episode. Till then, eat well and cook well. <laughs>